Ellis Cinema back, another edition created by she, her, continued by him, he. How we doing out there? Good, great, grand, and yang, yang, yang. Wonderful. As you see on your screen, your dial, however, you are choosing to join me today. I uh, thank you. Uh, Dune. David Lynch's Dune, 1984 Dune, not the new one, but I'm glad that I got to see the original before I um, most assuredly go out to the theater and see the new one by Dennis Villanueva. Um, I had never seen Dune before. I know, I know, that's kind of shocking for someone of my ilk. Um... No reason for it, to be honest with you. Um, I think it just took... Well, first of all, there's... Ew, why do you always say first of all? Fucking gross, dude. Stop saying that. Anyway, first off, (laughs) um, I'm just now... um, I shouldn't say just now, but over the course of the past decade or so, I've come around to fantasy and sci-fi a lot more... um, but but this one I just think fell through the cracks because it, it was always something suggested to me to watch, always something that I've been curious to watch, and just, you know, one thing leads to another, and for whatever reason you don't. And and that's even, and I, and I knew going into it that it was a, <clears throat> or at least at the time, considered a bomb of epic proportions. So I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm, I, I tried, I, I, <laughs> the best I could to take notes on this one towards the end of the film I think I just decided we're I'll just kind of tell you how I felt about the film but we're not really going to dig too deep into a film that many have considered is something that could never be made Um, a a novel by uh, what's his name Frank Herbert Uh, I believe it's a series five or six novels don't know haven't read them Uh, God bless Kyle for not making fun of me because I didn't know that there was multiple books but again you know I'm coming around to the sci-fi I just it's you know I've mentioned on this show before I like the real shit I like Coen Brothers stuff you know normal people or dumb people doing dumb shit you know, but in a realistic, somewhat hyper-realistic fashion. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't mind the film. I mean, it is fucking bizarre. I mean, it, if there's one thing that the film uh, made me want to do is read the books. Um, I mean, I, I, you don't have to get me excited for a, a Villanueva film. So once I heard that he was doing Dune, it was kind of like a, you know, just a, a neutral feeling. I was like, oh, well, cool. He's accepted kind of a, a big sci-fi epic that he wants to do, kind of like Blade Runner. I'm, I loved Blade Runner 2049, in fact just to annoy the audience as I tend to do better than the original. And I know in 2021 that means that I don't like the original. That's not what I fucking said. We got to stop doing this as a society. I just said that I liked Blade Runner 2049 more than the original Blade Runner. I love the original Blade Runner. Doesn't mean just be just because I like one doesn't mean that I hate the other. 
fucking got to stop with that fucking nonsense, man. Whatever happened, is anything just allowed to be okay anymore? <laughs> like, <clears throat> either things are the best you've ever had, seen, whatever, or it's the worst you've ever had, seen, whatever. There's no in-between. There's no, like, nah, that was okay. Like, in fact, I- I'm going to talk about a-, a film tomorrow or whenever the fuck I feel like throwing down um, that I just thought was okay. You know, and I, and I didn't feel slighted because it was just okay. <laughs> it was just an okay experience. I left going, eh, you know, not not for Dune. Dune was, <clears throat> Dune was a trip, man, because I, like I said, I hadn't seen it, and this is a huge undertaking, especially after I went through all the bonus features and. Um, you know, I didn't realize how many books had been written and how thick each book is written. It's like, I don't know, I guess similar to like Lord of the Rings and Hobbits of the sky, of the space. Um, if for those of you that don't know what Dune, I, I, I would be shocked if you didn't know what Dune is. Um, but the year is 10... 191, 10,191, and four planets are embroiled in a secret plot to wrest control of the spice melange. I cannot stop saying it like that. I I was even telling my mom the other day, like, she was like, oh, what'd you do? And I'm like, oh, fucking, <clears throat> I work, I clock out, I clock in in the morning at my day job, I clock out, I come home, I clock in, which is, this is me clocking in. Um, she's like, okay, well, uh, what do you, what do you plan on doing today? I was like, well, <clears throat> I, uh, got done watching Dune. I just kind of have to gather my thoughts together. And I was like, Dune with the spice melange. And she's like, what? And I was like, I can't stop saying spice melange. <laughs> it is, some things are just fun to say. <laughs> I can't, and I'm one of those people, like, like if I hear a song that I like, I play that shit a hundred times until I get close to not being able to stand it anymore. I run things into the ground. You know, that's part of that <clears throat> attic mentality. And while I've gotten most of my d- uh, addictions under control, which stretch as far as even coffee and porn, I have... I don't know. I this I I like trying new shit in life, but for the most part, got rid of most of the smoking, got rid of most of the caffeine, got rid of. I I guess, and I don't even. Well, the other ones, you know, you just you you don't need them if they fuck up your body, right? But the porn thing, that one's just a relatively new one because I'm not I'm not against porn in any sense of the word. I just you know I. I I don't know. I don't think I think it probably sets some not normal expectations. But we are derailing here. Point is, is that for I don't know seventy two hours straight, I just I'll just be by myself. I'll just be in the shower or something, and I'll just be like, "Mm, rub that spice melange on you. (laughs) And it's soap. It's not spice melange. I can't I can't help it. Spice melange. Anyway. The year is 10,191, and four planets are embroiled in a secret plot to wrest control of the Spice Melange, the most precious substance in the universe and found only on the planet Arrakis. A feud between two powerful dynasties, House Atreides and House Harkonnen, 
is manipulated from afar by ruling powers that conspire to keep their grip on the spice. What is it? The spice melange. As the two families clash on Arrakis, Duke Atreides' son, Paul, finds himself in the center of... Uh, he's played by Kyle McLaughlin. I was wondering, is it Kyle McLaughlin or is it Kyle McLaughlin? Is it Kyle McLaughlin? I should know this. I've seen tw- I've seen everything he's been in. Why, do, why, don't I, why don't I know if it's McLaughlin or McLaughlin? There is a difference, right? Um, <clears throat> Duke Atreides' son, Paul, Kyle McLaughlin, finds himself at the center of an intergalactic war and ancient prophecy that could change the galaxy forever. Kind of Star Wars-y, right? Well, and that's what it was marketed to be, and that's what they kind of hoped that it would turn out to be. But, uh, you know, following a notorious aborted attempt by Alejandro Jodorowsky in the 1970s, Frank Herbert's best-selling sci-fi epic Dune finally made it to the big screen as the third film by emerging surrealist... let me, let's do this right now. As the third film by emerging surrealist Wunderkin David Lynch, uh, featuring an all-star cast that includes several of Lynch's regular collaborators. And that's what we ended up... I mean, they went all out um, trying to market this movie. Um, <clears throat> though the initial uh, reception ensured that Lynch largely would avoid mainstream filmmaking for the rest of his career, Dune has since been rightly reevaluated. Yeah, same here, too. I didn't think it was a piece of shit like everybody else thought it was. I thought, in fact, the, you want to know the one theme that kept I kept uh, thinking throughout it? Boy, was this ahead of its time. That's, like, literally the number, like, occasionally maybe there was some questionable acting, but, like, a lot of, like, the overacting, say, by the Baron, if you will, that's, it, it's a sci-fi film. This is an intergalactic war. I want to see overacting a little bit. Because not all the characters were. You can have one or two. Shit, I found the uh, the overacting by the Baron more tolerable than Sting's outfits. <laughs> and if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Sting Dune. Holy shit. It's a, you talk about just weird karmic. No, not karmic. Uh, coincidental. No. Um Anyway, my buddy, uh, me and a couple of my friends are in a group text, um, you know, that seems to be, there's always something that's getting said throughout a day, but I had said something to him and he responded with a gif of Sting coming out of this machine contraption or whatever in, it was, it was from Sting in Dune and I laughed um, I, I lolled, actually I don't loll all that much, I ha ha, I'm not a lol guy, you can go lol yourself, <laughs> uh, but, uh, he sent me, like, Sting in the costume and everything, and I just kind of was like, ha ha ha, because it looks so funny, right, but I had no context for what that was, and then literally 24 hours later, I put on Dune, and I'm like, dude, weird, <laughs> weird that, <laughs> that, that gif was sent, and now I'm watching the original Dune. Um, uh, humana, 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 humana. Let's see. David Lynch avoided mainstream filmmaking. Dune has since been rightly reevaluated as one of the most startling original and visionary science fiction films of the 1980s. I would just say 
in general from just a um, production design standpoint, set design standpoint, costuming. It was, it was very, I hate it when we do things like this, but I do like to speak um, in terms that masses understand. Um, it is a very Lynchian look to it. I hate that. I hate it so much. Why? Just because something's kind of bizarre, we got to call it David Lynch. I fucking can't stand that. Why can't it just be bizarre? You don't have to put a. Just because something's bizarre and it's on film doesn't mean that, well, that's David Lynch. It's Lynchian. It's. That's very Quentin Tarantino esque. Ugh. Oof. Now, I mean, I guess to sell a picture, I don't mind that. Oh, it's Quentin Tarantino meets fucking Robert Reg, whatever. Like, that's all right with me. But I don't, I don't like it when we, I don't even know what I'm trying to say other than, like, I don't, I don't like it that just something's, just because something's bizarre it's, uh, in film, now we just have to call it Lynchian? That's stupid. Would you ever call Requiem from a Dream Lynchian? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, you fucking wouldn't. Uh, but you, I, 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 I didn't mind it. I thought it was, I, I think the only thing that I kind of eye rolled at was the, um, uh, protective suits that they, um, beam on to themselves that come from their belt. But other than that, and a lot of that has to do with, there are certain things, um, and films that don't deserve a 4k transfer this is not one of them i thought like just like from the worm standpoint from the sets and the worms 4k transfer transfer was amazing and the fucking sound quality is awesome it was actually getting to the point where i was like man so i always like test myself (laughs) all the time i'm always pushing my uh, pushing myself outside of my comfort zone because that's what you do not only in real life but in film Y'all want to keep watching episodes of The Office? Be my guest. You're, I think you're silly. There's so much good shit out there. But um, I, I, I don't know. I'm watching this, and I, I just thought, yeah, well, you know, these protective suits, eh. It's just, it's the 4K that's making it look questionable. Um. You know, not everything needs to be needs a 4K remaster. I think this one fits the bill. Um, some of the epic exteriors, some of the, and I actually really enjoyed um, some of the um, matte painting set pieces too. I thought I thought they were really cool looking. I mean, again, like you have to respect a film from when it's made, you can't be like, oh, those effects are so cheesy. Well, compared to 2021, yeah. Yeah, they are. But I think why why I love it so much, these are real people doing this shit. This isn't a computer. This is real people painting that. This is real people uh, stitching those costumes together. And some of the costumes are great. It's it's a very... I don't even know how to put... I mean, there's... Nothing that I could say about the film in a half hour that would do it justice. Like, I mean, again, I do a half hour podcast and they tout this movie as the novel that should have never been made because it's too complicated and there's too much going on, blah, blah, blah. So for me to try to give you pieces of that, it's just, I mean, I I guess I, in my, 
melodical, methodical voice, I could read the fucking Wikipedia to you if you want to know. Would you like that? Okay, fine. I'll read it to you. Set in the distant future, the film chronicles the conflict between the rival rival noble families as they battle for control of the extremely harsh desert planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. The planet is the only source of the drug melange, also called the spice melange, which allows uh, prescience, prescience, and it's vital to space travel, which allows space travel, which allows prescience, prescience, and it's vital to space travel, making it the most essential and valuable commodity in the universe. Paul Atreides is the scion and heir of a powerful noble family whose inheritance of control over Arrakis brings them into conflict with its former overlords, the House of Harkonnen. Perfect villain name, Harkonnen. Should have put a double K in there, or a triple K in there, just to make it sting more. Paul is also a candidate for uh, for the Kwisatz Haderach. Kwisatz Haderach, which basically means he's a messiah figure, a superhero. Uh, messianic figure in the Beni Gezeret. Is it Gezeret or Gezeret? Oh, fucking Dune fans are losing their mind with me. Besides McLaughlin, the film features a large ensemble cast of supporting actors, including Patrick Stewart, Brad Dorff, Dean Stockwell, Virginia Madison, Jose Ferrer, Sting, Linda Hunt, Max von Sydow, and there's more than that. What? How? How do you end the paragraph there? Go on now. You got Hamana 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 Hamana. You got Freddie Jones. You got Leonardo uh, Camino, or as I know him, Scary German Guy in the Monster Squad. That's really what they call him, Scary German Guy. He's not just a Scary German Guy. I'm just calling him that for whatever. You got Everett McGill. A um, lot of a uh, lot of Twin Peaks alum in this. You have uh, Jurgen uh, Prochnow, who suffered. Burns and was out for three weeks. Uh, suffered burns from a special effects on his mouth, on his cheek, and was out for three weeks. Uh, Patrick Stewart Sting, Paul L. Smith. Uh, Paul Smith was really good. I could see a lot of people th- that between Kenneth McMillan, who played Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, who is probably my favorite, even though he is the most grotesque and hateable. <laughs> He is one of the most grotesque and hateable. He, I mean, whether he's spitting all over himself, whether the subtle uh, homosexual tendencies towards people that he's about to murder, I like he it, he embodies what a villain what a villain is. So between Kenneth McMillan, between the two villains, Paul Smith, the Beast Raban, uh, and Kenneth McMillan, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Uh, I I thought it was great. In fact, like much of Kyle McLaughlin, uh, McLaughlin, McLaughlin, uh, much of his part, uh, I feel you know very. I I, I mean, he's a superhero that kind of knows everything and has these visions, so he's almost robotic to a certain degree. As you know, all that information you. You got Jack Nance, also a uh, Twin Peaks alum. Uh, didn't say too much. Uh, you got Richard Jordan. You got Linda Hunt, I think I already said. Uh, Francesca Anis, who played uh, Annis, who played Lady Jessica. Virginia Madison, who played Princess Irulan. But you only, again, you only see her for just a teensy bit. Uh, 
Just a teensy bit. Cyan Phillips. Uh, who else? I know the the little girl, I would assume, got top billing. Um, where are you? Or maybe not. But uh, huge cast. <laughs> huge cast. And I thought in terms of all the people that you had in the film that had to get their screen time, I thought David Lynch did a good job, even though you can you can feel, uh, you know, his, we didn't get to fully see his vision. You know, he wanted a three-hour-plus film, and Dino De Laurentiis said, no, it's going to be two, which I still, I, I don't understand. You know, we go to movies to escape, and I understand that you get to a point where you're like, hey, I got to pee or whatever, but that's what intermissions are for. You know, I never understood of getting in the way. I uh, let me t- let me bounce back a little bit. I never understood how s- more often than not, enough times at least, um, the, a, a director's cut or the the final cut, as it were, is almost always considered better than the theatrical uh, theatrical cut. Almost always. I don't understand why producers come in and you know, start pulling bits and pieces of art out that are going to have an impact on the story down the line. It's, you know, I, I finished writing a script with a buddy of mine, a Western uh, revenge flick for a buddy of mine. Uh, it's going to get, whole, I mean, if it gets shot, you never fucking know with this goddamn pandemic, but if it gets shot... Because uh, Malaysia's on their third lockdown right now, and uh, I think all but two of the actors that were attached to the project are on different projects now in different countries. So who knows if this will ever... But my point is, um, I-, I couldn't imagine cutting that vision, you know? I, I-, I couldn't imagine um, if two-thirds of what I wrote... Uh, well, circling back, the like Zaire, the the gentleman I'm writing with, he would add these notes and whatnot, and he should. It's 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 a story that he came up with, the characters he came up with. I'm just writing the dialogue and some of the action pieces. That's all I'm doing. Well, all of the dialogue. <laughs> but the point is, is I I think it kind of took a couple times of me telling him, like, look, man, if you want this particular thing changed, it, it it's 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 a domino effect. More often than not. If you change this, that shit, uh, if you change this on page 11, that shit on page 34 doesn't make sense anymore, you know, like, and, and, and there's, you know, there's directors and there's, you know, there's writers and everything, but like, I, for something like this that already had had, it was extremely popular, people were salivating for it, and you cut a very... I mean, a very authentic director's vision, you cut it. And, you know, I I actually blame a lot of the end result on that cut. I wish, you know, there was rumors that there's like a four-hour cut of Dune. I'm here to tell you after I watched all the bonus features, there is not a four-hour cut of Dune. In fact, there's only about 16 minutes of deleted scenes putting it, like if you just threw the 16 minutes of deleted scenes on top of the actual runtime, we're not even at two and a half hours. So um, it is what it is. I just, I hate to see it. And especially with something like this, you feel it. You 100% f- 
uh, feel it. Um, Sean Young's in this. Alicia Witt. Um, in that, in that, you know, I I blame I blame the producers for why this was a giant flop, uh, especially after. Um, watching all the bonus features on this amazing Arrow Video 4K Collector's Edition set. You got the booklet in it. You, I mean, it's probably a good 50 pages. You got essays from... Ooh. <clears throat> you got essays from Dave uh, uh, Andrew Nettle, David Lynch's Mood of Dune. A Spiral of Sincerity, The Persistence of Lynch's Doom by Christian McRae. Desert Song, The Music of a Rockus. Uh, Alan Splett and the Sound Effects for Doom by Rick Gentry. Oh, I'm sorry. Desert Song, The Music of a Rockus Rockus was uh, the essays written by Charlie Brigden. Uh, Lynch on Lynch by Chris Rodley. Doom terminology, which was cute, I thought, and about the restoration. Yeah, uh, almost about 60 pages. Um, and then in terms of the visual content, you have Impressions of Dune, which is a 2003 documentary with interviews with Kyle, producer Rafaela De Laurentiis, cinematographer Freddie Francis, who I thought fucking... <laughs> I thought he did a great job. Like, especially, you get handed this script, or in, you know, his case, he probably gets handed these storyboards and these drawings because Lynch is an artist himself, and he's working with an entire crew of all international people. Um, like, they were they were from all over the place. And, you know, you're Freddie Francis, and you get this all this handed to you. One of two things. Like, you're always like, whoa, shit, this is going to be hard. Or you're like, I'm about to have a bit of fun, aren't I? A bit of fun with the, and I thought he fucking knocked it out of the park. I really did. Um, Freddie Francis and Anthony Gibbs and other crew members. Um, I, Dino acquired the rights. David Lynch felt like the good choice. Um, what else is discussed on that feature at Image and Iconography? Iconography? Why? Why can't you just like, say words that you had no casting and acting uh, Frank Herbert being on set pre-production the heat because you see these in the suits and they're or you see everybody in the suits that they're wearing the costumes that they're wearing and out on a desert in Mexico not so cool on the inside Um, the shoot the cut uh, people's relationships off camera Working with David Lynch and Conclusions. And that's just all one featurette there. It's about an hour long. Uh, and I watched every bit of it. Well, I watched all the bonus features for this one. Because I, I love old school Hollywood. I love when we're making miniature sets and we're blowing the miniatures up. I just, that's cute and adorable. Uh, Designing Dune, which is a 2005 featurette looking at the work by production designer Anthony Masters. And it features interviews with crew members, uh... Giles Masters, Ron Ron Miller, Kev, Kev, Kevin Phipps, Ben Fernandez, and Steve Cooper. Um, just uh, kind of what I had already said. It just talks about how it was an international production for the most part. People working on production design. You had people from Sweden and Italy and the States and all over the board. 
Um, Dune special effects, <clears throat> 2005 featurette exploring special effect, uh, special effects of the film. Interviews with Kit West, John Baker, Trevor Wood, Rodney Fuller, John Hatt, and Gary Zink. Um, and they basically just discuss the challenges of making some of the um, props and sets that you see on screen. Uh, next, Dune Models and Miniatures, a 2005 featurette focusing on model effects in the film. Features um, interviews with producer Rafaela De Laurentiis, uh, Emilio Ruiz del Rio, Brian Smithies, and Eric Svensson. Uh, another featurette, uh, Doom, Dune Costumes. Um, you also, on the second disc, because this is a two-disc Arrow video release, Beyond Imagination and Merchandising Dune, which was a very cool little featurette, like 22 minutes, and it basically explores, um, um, what, like, the, the toys that they had created for merchandising the film, and, um... You have, what's the guy's name? Oh, uh, toy collector and producer Brian Tillman, who actually, I believe, worked on the Toys That Made Us documentary, which is on uh, Netflix. That was really cool and also depressing. Very bittersweet, like seeing these things that were supposed to have a major run from toys, but the film itself, and, and one thing that I have to agree with that a lot of the people that worked on the film said um, in terms of its success it was so bleak and bizarre with very little happiness that I think that's why, uh, or another reason why it didn't get, it didn't take off um, like it should have. Um, because it is like, I don't think I laughed throughout the entirety of it. And, and if I was laughing, it wasn't because it was what I was, you know, seeing in terms of when the film was made, not the content of what was happening on screen. I, it's just, it is, it is kind of a bummer. Like the, you know, there's these worms that are meant to be endearing at the end really never are endearing. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, I can see why I, I wasn't asking my dad for the fucking, the, the Kyle McLaughlin action figure. <laughs> Nothing against the movie. I just, at that time, I was just, just give me Luke Skywalker. Let's call it the fucking day. Uh, Prophecy, uh, Prophecy Fulfilled, which is another featurette. Prophecy Fulfilled, Scoring Dune. Um, and I love this one, too, because it's a featurette um, exploring the film's musical score, which I don't know if you guys know this, but it, uh, the band Toto did the score as in, I see the rain down in Africa. Yeah, that, that Toto, that Toto scored this entire film. And actually, it was new. Like, bands didn't do that. Like, it, was, it wasn't commonplace for a band at this point, 1984, um, to just sit down and score a movie. And in hindsight, it sounds like the band's kind of... Like, they love their experience with working with David Lynch and working on Dune, but it sounds like they're kicking themselves because they had two options. They had score Dune or write songs for Footloose. And, well, we all know Footloose went on to, you know, be extremely popular. Dune didn't, and I think the album Footloose sold about 10 million copies. So I can see why there's maybe a little... A little annoyance, a little re uh, resentment, um, and just how tough that score was to bring together. And on that second disc, there's also additional interviews with uh, Gianetto De Rosi, uh, who did makeup effects. Golda Offenheim, who is a production coordinator. She's a uh, an old Brit, an old British lady. Hilarious 
to listen to and she is she was so adorable like even like when she's just like and I'm not going to talk about some of those instances because uh, they would make me look bad and I just I was kind of giggling throughout it but so I, I would like to uh, if I drank I'd like to sit down and have a pint with her but we'll just have to do tea babe um, Paul Smith was another interview again who played uh, the Beast Raban and Christopher Tucker, uh, who did the special makeup effects, who was actually uncredited. That one's only about three minutes long, though. Uh, but, you know, Arrow knocks it out of the GD Park. Hagen with another stellar release. And not for nothing, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I waited because I enjoyed myself. I thought it was bizarre as fuck. There's a couple times where I was a wee bit lost, but... See, there's there's two ways that you could take this. And, like, normal film critics, if they're like, oh, I'm lost, uh, fuck this movie. You want to know what I did? Oh, I'm lost. I need to buy the books. <laughs> you know? Because I'm a realist. I've said it about comic book movies all the time. If Superman has had 15... Di- well, Marvel's more popular. If Iron Man is, has been 42 different Iron Mans, the immortal Iron Man, the incredible Iron Man, blah, 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 and thousands upon thousands of issues, I don't hold filmmakers accountable for not being able to fit all the versions of Iron Man and all the shit he did and all those versions of Iron Man to make it into a two-hour piece. So I sure as fuck don't think that uh, a two-hour and 15-minute Dune feature film is going to have everything that is in a five-book, five-six-book epic series uh, space epic novel in a two-hour and ten-minute movie. It's not going to happen. It's just... People need to stop being silly. Oh, now. But pick this this up, especially before you... uh, Head out and see the noon dune. Just say for nothing else for the bonus features around this. So you can see how shit was and how shit was made. Because I miss a lot of those days. And I think they play a huge part on how I receive the film. It looks real. Well, it kind of looks fake too. I would rather a miniature look fake than CG look fake. You heard it here. <laughs> Jesus. Ella Cinema. Arrow Video. 4K release, collector's edition of Doom, David Lynch's Doom. I think that's available today or next week. Either way, go on now. Get it. Hello Cinema Aero Video, Doom 1984. And the marathon continues, babe. Marathon continues. I have so many to bring to you this month. That's all right. Hustle and motivate. Fresh out the county with nothing to lose, bitch. <laughs> 